Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good Friday morning. We've made it through a wonderful week in the MD family. Thank you for being a part of this. We're going to dive into a deep subject this Friday, leaving Babylon, the believer's posture in the last days. You'll want to, I don't know, bookmark it, save this, maybe share this with someone. If you're new to the page, like, share, follow. We're doing life together. We're doing life pre-pandemic, mid-pandemic, post-pandemic. We're just in this thing. We're going to make it through. We're going to be victorious. So thank you for being a part of this. And thank you for making life a lot more tolerable each and every morning when we gather together. So give it up for Jesus. Let everybody know you're here. Come in out of the shadows. Identify yourself. Um, I don't know. Share your name, rank, serial number. Don't share your credit card number. I trust this bunch. I trust this bunch wholeheartedly, but you never know who, who's passing by. So leaving Babylon, this is a great lesson on the believer's posture. Now, a little different for me today. I'm on the road in Atlanta celebrating a big first birthday. Kendall John's, Lord willing, I'll be headed back home tomorrow. But when I'm on the road like this, I, I'm I'm not able to see you. So just give it up for Jesus. Be chatty because I can't really see what's happening here, but I trust you're out there. This is by faith. It was um, a while back. I, I, I picked up a book. Someone recommended it to me and read it. And a couple of days ago, I sat down and reread it. It's called Intoxicated with Babylon. The seduction of God's people in the last days. Not a, not light reading. I can tell you that. And it, it struck me again, the stark contrast between God and the world. And the book begins with a quote from Andrew Bonar. He said, I looked for the church and found it in the world. I looked for the world and found it in the church. That, that that quote just reminds me of that lengthy poem. Don't have time to go through it all by Matilda Edwards. And but maybe just the opening two stanzas. Maybe maybe you'll find it familiar. You can look at it online if you like. The church and the world walk far apart on the changing shores of time. The world was singing a giddy song and the church a hymn sublime. Come give me your hand, said the merry world, and walk with me this way. But the faithful church hid her gentle hands and solemnly answered nay. And through the poem, the seduction of God's people by the world continues until there was no difference between the world and the church. The church was in the world and the world was in the church. Let me, let me just stop here and say, I, when I say that, I, 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 I'm not thinking of a particular church. I'm not thinking of a particular locale address. And I'm not looking at somebody else and saying, yes, they failed, they failed, they failed. I'm looking at me and saying, could it be true? Could a love for the world displace my love for God? Hey, man, do you sense that? I, 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 I'm concerned about others and I care about others. But 
when I hear stuff like that, I, I'm not, I don't hasten to apply it to others. I'm wondering about me. God, I want to finish this thing. I want to finish this race with joy. I, I, I want to, I want to exit this world someday knowing that I gave it my best, that I let God do his best in my life. And that I kept myself unspotted from this world. Amen. Do you sense that? Do you sense that? I, it's one of the most comprehensive statements ever made in scripture. And oddly enough, it comes from the apostle of love, John. It was John who said it, love not the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. When you walk through some of the verses in the Bible, dealing with the world. Jesus said, John 18, my kingdom's not of this world. Galatians 6, Paul said, the world has been crucified to me. Oh, that's so powerful. Ephesians 2, you formerly walked according to the course of this world. 2 Corinthians 6, Paul said, do do not be bound together with unbelievers. James said in chapter 1, keep yourself unstained, unspotted by the world. Paul said in Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world. Second Corinthians 6, he says, come out from amongst this world and be separate. And here comes John, don't love the world. Don't love the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, that's staggering, staggering. And what did Paul mournfully say to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, his last letter, Demas, Having loved this present world has forsaken me. James said it, a friend of the world makes us an enemy of God. Jesus said it, Mark 8, gain the whole world, forfeit your soul. In John 12, he who loves his life in this world will lose it. And that's where Paul, he, he wrestles it down and says, our struggle is not, it's not against flesh and blood. We're battling worldwide forces of darkness. But we have the assurance, John said, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Peter said, you've escaped the defilements of the world. The world is going to hate you, but you're not of this world. You don't belong to this world. The writer of Hebrews spoke of the heroes of faith of whom the world was not worthy. John said it, so don't marvel. Don't marvel if you're at a... you're an opponent with the world and if the world hates you. I think we're on a firm footing, folks, when we say God does not want us to love this world. And that's where Babylon comes in. Babylon is perhaps the best single word description of the world in the Bible. Babylon represents the sin of the world, the intoxicating influences of the world. Babylon is seen in the last book of the Bible. Heaven announces that when the forces of evil are crushed, Babylon is fallen. In its primitive form, Babylon can be found in the book of Genesis. So from the first to the last, we see this competing interest in the heart of believers. The world are Babylon. It's portrayed, Babylon's portrayed as a harlot in Revelation, in contrast to the white-gowned bride of Christ, the church. So where does it start? It was after the great flood in the ninth chapter of Genesis. We read sort of a great commission given to Noah and his family. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue the earth, go forth. But one, 
one of Noah's descendants, it was a great-grandson of Noah named Nimrod, he rebelled against this commandment to multiply, subdue the earth, spread out across the earth. He dominated other tribes, gathered them together in opposition of God, and he built the world's first city whose chief attraction was a tower, a tower that we okay, who knows what that tower name is? Are you awake out there this morning? You know this, a tower that would reach the heavens and the city would become a hub that defied God's commandment to scatter and fill the earth. The tower, the tower purported Nimrod to be so high that the flood could never tower over it. And soon this arm of the flesh attracted other features, its own religions with many gods, a worship of the host of the heavens, the stars, astrology, Nimrod, Nimrod, the king of Babel, the king of Babylon. He, he had a queen. Her name was Semiramis, Semiramis. Now you say, what does this mean? Well, you're going to see that, mo- that all false religion flows from Babylon. After Nimrod's death, Semiramis had a child named Tammuz, whom she announced to be the resurrection of Nimrod. All of this became the beginning of so many ancient mystery religions and fertility cults and idolatries that spread all over the ancient world. Ishtar, Start, Aphrodite, Venus, all descendants of Babylon. The researcher David Barnett he or David Barrett, he he identified 19 major world religions subdivided into about 10,000 distinct religions. In Christendom alone, there's some 34,000 denominations. Oh my, rivers, rivers flowing. Babel is confusion. And maybe that's why we can understand in Revelation 17, when we read of Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, that means all idolatries, and the abominations of the earth, and that down through the ages, God's people, that's me and you folks, we can fall under the spell of the world of Babylon. Babylon, in this sense, is not merely a physical location in the plain of Shinar in Mesopotamia, ancient Chaldee. Uh, no, it's a, it's a love for the world. It's in our hearts. It's a rebellion against God. At times in the physical area, we're going to see of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. You're going to read of Ezekiel and others that were in physical Babylon. Babylon is dangerous, whether it was the physical locale or whether it's in our hearts. Babylon is dangerous. I think of that one that one verse of scripture, you remember that where the psalmist said in Babylon that we sat down, we wept or hung our hearts on the tree, on the willows. So the first thing I would say is Babylon's a place of tears. The Israelites were in exile there for 70 years and they shed tears over their rebellion against God, over how they had drifted from God and from his covenant. Babylon is a place of tears and of what might have been, because there they remembered the Zion they left behind, the crown jewel of God's promise, the place out of nowhere that God gave them as their very own. Can I just tell the MD family something right now? I believe that in this pandemic, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of weeping in Babylon. We're seeing a lot of regrets in Babylon. 
There's a lot of people that were raised in this or were exposed to this. But this pandemic has awakened them to the reality that I've drifted. I do believe that there is a harvest of immense proportions and awakening coming in this dark, dark day in which we live. But, oh, saints of God, come on, MD family, you devotees, you MD 2021. Let's let's be careful. Let's don't get to the place that we fall in love with the world. It's a place of tears. It's a place of regret. It's a place of giving up. We hung our harps on the willows, just gave up singing, gave up our testimonies, gave up on worship, gave up on going back, gave up on restoring what we once had. This is the danger of Babylon. It's the truth. I I think we're seeing a giving up spirit like we've never seen in our entire lives. Parents ready to give up over their wayward children. Spouses ready to give up on their marriage. And men who since opportunity is passed, the gold ring, the gold watch, no longer within their reach. Women who believe that a happy marriage, a happy home has passed them by. There's just a spirit of giving up. It's a spirit of the world. It's a spirit of Babylon. I, I think you need to pray for all Christian leaders and uh, in the home and in churches, preachers, pastors. I've heard a lot of people talking about just throwing in the towel. It's a danger of the world we're living in. It's a danger of Babylon. It's a danger of the zetgeist, the spirit of the age, this present darkness, this ever pervasive world around us. Babylon. This whole world is a place of tears and regrets and giving up. It's also a place of bondage. Because there in Psalm 137, there they carried us away captive, required of us a song. Captivity, requiring. This is a difficulty we face with the world. The Lord brings freedom, but the world brings captivity. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. But where the love of the world is, there's bondage. They required of us. They put us in chains. We were a slave to the whims and the desires of the world system of Babylon. You see, it's a question about lordship. Who's going to be in control of our lives? Will the world dominate our lives? Or are we, are we to fall into their captivity and to the God of this world? Or are we going to let the Lord God Almighty be Lord of it all? That's why, folks, we've got to leave Babylon. We got to leave this behind. We got to leave it. You see, in Daniel's vision of the world's systems, Babylon was the head of gold. Is this okay? Is this okay today? I mean, maybe there's too much information. TMI, Pastor, TMI. But Babylon was this head of gold. Bear with me just a moment. The kingdoms of the world were there, but a stone cut out without hands would come from the heights and obliterate this world system. Therefore, folks, we can't be associated with the this world system, or we too shall be destroyed. Listen, listen to what the prophets had to say about this. In Isaiah 21, Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. All of the carved images of their gods, God has broken to the ground. Isaiah 21, 9. Jeremiah comes along and says, declare among the nations, proclaim and set up a standard, proclaim, don't conceal it, don't hide it. 
Babylon is taken. Bel is shamed. Murdoch is broken in pieces. Her idols are humiliated. Her images are broken in pieces. Jeremiah 50. Bel was a dragon. Murdoch, the sun god, is not by accident that you see this imagery in the book of Revelation. This is the imagery of a world system that's going to come down. The prophets commanded the Israelites, you got to get out of Babylon. You got to flee Babylon. You've got to leave Babylon behind. Isaiah said in chapter 48, go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldees. In another place, Isaiah also spoke of leaving Babylon. He said, depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her, be clean. You who bear the vessels of the Lord, Isaiah 52. Jeremiah prophesied the day of the return when God's people get sick of the world, sick of Babylon, and they begin to ask the question, oh, this is so profound. How do we get to Zion? How do we get to Zion? Once directed, they come weeping and singing back to Zion. And so Jeremiah commands, flee from the midst of Babylon and everyone save his own life. Do not be cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance and he shall recompense her. Jeremiah 51 as well. But it's just a few verses later. And I find this intriguing that Jeremiah starts saying for say telling and commanding, forsake Babylon, forsake Babylon. Her judgment has reached to the heavens, lifted up to the sky. Come, let us draw near to Zion and declare the work of our God. But then finally, it's Zechariah that captures the intensity of the call to leave Babylon. Zechariah 2.7, up Zion, up, escape you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. In other words, There's still a remnant of godly people, still a Zion, still a group of sober believers, not intoxicated with Babylon, that have not bowed down to worship the sun god or the dragon, people who are not caught up in sensuality and idolatry. And so finally, we come to Revelation. In chapter 14, we see the prophesied fall of a world system. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city, verse 8 says, because she has made all the nations drink of the the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then in Revelation 18, a voice is heard. Come out of her, my people. Come out of her, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. We got to leave Babylon. Pastor, how do we flee from Babylon to escape her punishment? The Bible tells us to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Second Corinthians 6, 17. Be careful in this day that we identify as true believers and that we associate with true believers. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. Yeah, we we read that in the Bible, folks. If anyone comes to you and does not preach this gospel, don't receive them into your house. Don't greet them, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Second John 9 and 11. 
Anyone who preaches a gospel that's different from the original gospel, Paul said in Galatians 1, let them be a curse. Come out of her, my people. Don't share in her sins. Don't receive of her plagues. You've got to leave Babylon behind. How do we leave Babylon? Paul said, by not being unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion light with darkness? What accord Christ with Belial? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has a temple of God with idols? Come out. Belial. What accord has Christ with Belial? Belial means the lawless one. And the forces of religious evil called the false prophet Babylon in Revelation. The lawless one by Paul and the Antichrist by John. That world system is arising right now. We can't be part of an economic, social, government, religious system that has Antichrist on on the throne and not Jesus Christ. Don't ally with those who are not living this life. Leave it behind. I like the attitude in the Practices revealed by Jude in verse 22. And he said, indeed, have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Still others show mercy tempered with fear, hating even the clothing stained by the flesh. And then he says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you unblemished in his glorious presence with great joy. Hear, hear, hear me carefully, MD family. We can have mercy on those around us and live holy lives. We can reach for the lost and not stumble ourselves. We can keep a white garment while reaching out to others and not be stained by the flesh. We've got to leave Babylon. That's our role. That's our job. We have to turn away from this world and draw closer to our heavenly savior. And that's what happens. How do we leave Babylon? When you set your gaze and your affections on the king of glory, he has a way of expelling and vanquishing the Babylon within us all. Bonar's quote again, I look for the church and found it in the world. I look for the world and found it in the church. We've got to leave Babylon. That is our posture in these last days. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Oh my, oh my, I hope I haven't overwhelmed you today and I can't see you. I hope you're still out there and I do wish you an amazing, wonderful weekend ahead. Share this with others. Take a moment, share a prayer request. Encourage one another, lift up someone who is struggling right now. And I know the Lord is going to help us. And I know the Lord is going to be with us in the days ahead. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you again. Lord willing, come Monday morning. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.